Hello, church family. It is good to be with you. Uh, we've been starting off the last several weeks um, uh, recognizing how big the kingdom of God is. Uh, it's become tradition here. It was started by Jimmy even before me and recognizing uh, all of the believers here in this city and what they go through and that we're all trying to magnify the name of Jesus Christ here in this place. Uh, I wanted to pray this morning in particular for uh, uh, Cross Kingdom Church. Uh, they have had a couple of deaths uh, just recently uh, there in their congregation, and one in particular was one of their leaders who passed away unexpectedly. So they are hurting this morning. Uh, I know that their time in worship will be a lot of lament this morning, and so we're going to stop and we're going to pray for them. Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you uh, that you are the author of life and that you say how things will end. And Lord, we know the end of the story. We know that uh, victory is yours, and that because we belong to you, uh, we claim that victory. And Lord, we're grateful for your kingdom, and uh, that the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it, uh, but instead it is everlasting. And so, Lord, we ask in particular this morning that you bless the kingdom here in Kerrville. Uh, everyone who claims the name of Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord uh, belongs to you, and so, Lord, we are, we're lifting up right now uh, brothers and sisters in Christ at Cross Kingdom. Um, we ask in particular that you would be with them as they mourn the loss of uh, someone from the Seacrest family and the Eichsman family. And Lord, we ask that you would heal their hearts, uh, that with their sorrow at the loss of loved ones, they also remember the hope and the joy uh, that comes in the resurrection through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we ask that you be with them. Uh, you bless them and you mend their hearts this morning. Uh, you hear their songs of praise with broken hearts, and uh, that you will remember them. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask all of this. Amen. Amen. Um, so I wanted to mention one thing before we get started. If, you have, uh, if you're a guest with us, and we know I've, I've met lots of folks this morning that, that were new, and I think we have several guests that have been coming here. If you're a guest with us and you would like to learn more about our church, we have these cards back there at the back tables, and it's called Coffee's on Us. And if you would like to hear more about our church, this gives you an opportunity to send an email or you can call and we would love to take you out for a cup of coffee and tell you who we are. One of the ministers will get back to you. Uh, we'll buy you a cup of coffee or a chai tea or um, that stuff that looks like a milkshake that my wife loves that's really not coffee. There you go. I know there's some of you that you like, you like that ice cream and with a little bit of coffee flavor. That's good. Uh, we'll, and uh, we'll, we'll even buy you uh, just a cup of ice water if that's what you want. But we would love to be able to tell you more about who we are and let you know about this church family. So if you're a guest with us, like I said, and would like to know more, you can grab one of those cards on the way out and uh, let us know. Uh, we have been spending the last few weeks, uh, two weeks ago, last week, this week, and another week, uh, in particular on telling our story. Uh, that's because we think there's real power in the spoken word. Uh, we think there's real power in telling the story of what God's done in our life. We think that when you tell a story, something happens. I will tell you, uh, I was gone last week, and I didn't tell you I was going to be gone. And the reason was because some words were spoken last week in my family that changed everything. Uh, this boy called me and said he wanted to ask my daughter to marry him. And uh, so we flew up to Denver to be there for the engagement of my youngest daughter. And I want you to know, that's the story that will be told now, time and time again, throughout their lives. Someday when they have kids and uh, their family continues on, I'm sorry, I'm still, still getting used to this engagement thing. I'm having a hard time with all of this. 
but those will be the stories that will be told. Uh, and, and there's power in that, in those stories that are being told. You know, I, uh, I heard my father once say, handing over your daughter uh, to some boy when he asked to marry is like handing a Stradivarius over to a gorilla. But um, <laughs> I will say he's a pretty good gorilla. And I'm grateful that uh, Melissa's dad was willing uh, to hand his Stradivarius over to this gorilla. And uh, I'm thankful that now we're going to have uh, a son. I haven't had a, a son, and now I will have a son in my family. So we're thankful for Josh. He loves the Lord, and he loves my daughter, and that's a, that's a great blessing. Uh, but those words, those words that are spoken, and now that will be told, have power in them. And that's what we're talking about with telling our story. We're talking about what it means for those that are redeemed by the Lord to stand up and say, this is who I was, and this is what God's done. And this is who I am now. And we've been using some testimony in this. And I want to tell you, a couple of weeks ago, uh, if you weren't here, or e even if you were here, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a young man who came up to tell the story of redemption and what God's been doing in his life, of how he's uh, been redeemed, how he cried out to God in his distress, and the Lord delivered him. And he got to share that with us. And then you did what I, what I knew you would do. You did what I knew you would do. You celebrated because the Lord celebrated when the Father has a party, we have a party. And when He smiles, we smile. And when He rejoices, we rejoice. And so I, I want to tell you um, how uh, great that was for me, to know my church family steps in and does what the church is supposed to do. So I'm very grateful for that. So Psalm 107 is what we've been going through, and you heard another verse of it. Psalm 107, if you haven't been with us, I just want to tell you again, it starts off with them saying, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let them say so. Tell what has happened. Tell what God has done. Tell of his enduring love and his greatness towards mankind. And, and then it goes through, and there's these, these four verses in this song. And there's this formula that comes with it in each one of these verses. And, and what it has to do with is there are people that are in distress, and they cried out to God, and then he delivered them. So rejoice and worship. That's what it says. And the first one's really interesting because the first verse really seems to have to do with those who don't know the Lord yet in some way. I mean, that's what I look at it as it goes, if you're wandering in a desert wasteland and your soul is empty and you're thirsty and you're hungry for what really matters, and then the Lord, you cried out to the Lord and then he grabbed you and he delivered you from that desert wasteland and he, he gave your, uh, your thirsty soul and your hungry soul what it needed and he brought you to a place that you could call home in his kingdom and then rejoice. And then the second one has to do with our own sin. And it talks about that there, there were some uh, who, because of their sin, were in, in chains and they were in prison. And then they cried out to God and he broke those chains and he broke those bars uh, of, the, of the prison. And so let them rejoice and give thanks. And then there's another one that talks about because of their own iniquities, because of our own sin. One of the things that happens is we become like fools and we have this sickness and it leads towards death. And they cried out to God. And what happened was he delivered them and let them rejoice and let them worship. There's this, there's this formula that keeps going. And then this one today is the fourth verse. And what it says is that sometimes there are storms and storms come up and they make you real and they make you stagger around like a drunkard and you come to your wit's end and then you cry out to God and then he delivers you from those storms and leads you to a haven. This this verse, the fourth verse in this one, about the storms, this one I think is different than the other three because what it has to do with is that there's a broken world, that there's these forces of nature in the world. There's these storms. There are big waves. There's wind that will blow, 
And there is water that's scary, and there are storms that will come and will hit you. And it's also harder because sometimes what happens when we look at this one, and I know when I do, we realize that all of us in some ways have been kicked in the gut by some storm in this life. That at some point something happened. It came up, something in this broken world, and it seems to have attacked us. There are those of us that have prayed for our marriages to be healed because it's falling apart. And there were those of us who prayed that when, uh, when we got sick, that we would be healed. And there are some of us that prayed when we got uh, our children going through a difficult time. Lord, deliver us from this. And there's a lot of us that can sit and say, I did this. I got attacked by the waves of this world and by the storms that happened. And I cried out, and he didn't deliver me from it. And we've got to talk about that. Because as you look at Psalm 107, one of the things you start seeing is there's this formula. When things are hard, you cry out to God and God delivers you. And then you praise. But that's not always the way it goes. Is the things that hit us that we cry out for don't always get removed, doesn't always take them away, doesn't always go the way we want. The Lord doesn't always deliver us in the way that we want deliverance. And then you hit this spot where God's disappointed you. You're in this spot where you go, I thought you were going to do this, Lord. I cried out, and I asked for help, and I thought you were going to answer in this way, and I thought you were going to take this away, and then you didn't do it. And we end up in this spot where we're disappointed in God. Not that God is a disappointment, but we get disappointed in what he didn't do. And so this leads to a question, what do you do with that disappointment? What do you do when you say, hey, I got hit right in the gut by this world? And I came and I cried out to the Lord, and he didn't take it away. What do you do with that disappointment? And the best thing that I can do is to point towards another story. There's a story in John chapter 11. And it's about three people. It's about uh, a brother and two sisters, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And Lazarus and Mary and Martha appear to be, uh, from what we read, pretty much Jesus' closest friends outside of his disciples. They're good friends. And they're all together. And then one of them, the brother, Lazarus, gets ill. And he gets really ill. There's his distress, right? If we were to take this and put it over Psalm 107, as you go, Lazarus was, was struck with an illness in this world. And so in his distress, they cried out to Jesus. As a matter of fact, they sent word. And even the way that they sent word was to say, Jesus, the one that you love is ill. We need for you to come. And so they cried out to Jesus in their distress for help. And if you were to look at the formula and the way that it seems like sometimes that we look at the way these things happen, is this checks every box. This is one where if I look at it and I go, if you were to put calling out for help and God helping him, whether or not he's going to help, and I go, I put that in the lab and go, what's the formula for making this work? He checks every box, right? The first thing that you would look at is, this, is this somebody that belongs to Jesus? And you go, oh, he's one of his best friends. Is this somebody Jesus cares about? Obviously it is. They even say, this is the one that you love. It's somebody that cares for, that you care for, and somebody that loves you. You can check that box. If you were to say, does he have faith? Maybe faith is what does it. If you have faith in God, then what happens is God delivers you from the things he created. He had faith. His sisters had faith. As a matter of fact, that's what they did, was they went to rely on the right place. They went to Jesus and said, you're the one that we need. 
Check that box. If it has to do with prayer, sometimes we look at that and go, well, the more people that we can get praying about it, the better. And if I have people praying about it, then what will happen is God will act. This is what makes this happen is a prayer. You had people praying. You had people praying. They were calling out to Jesus on behalf of Lazarus. Check that box. And then if you want to say, you know, if you were to deliver Lazarus, would it bring glory to your name? And you have to go there right next to Jerusalem. There's going to be some people that are over there. This would actually bring glory to your name because what would happen is Lazarus and Mary and Martha, from what we know about them, they would be the ones to go uh, all praise to Jesus, glory to him. They would give him glory. And so if you look at this as a formula, you start going, it has all the right ingredients for Jesus to come and act and for him to save Lazarus from the illness that he has. It has every bit of that formula. And then sometimes I move from a scientist in the lab, and I move to the Lord's publicist. I want to be uh, somebody that can help him with his name, marketing for him. I can be his agent. And you look at that and you go, would this be good for your name? Would this be good for the movement that you're trying to do? Would this be good for what you're trying to build in your kingdom? And you go, if you were to come and you were to heal Lazarus before he died, there would be people in Jerusalem that would hear about this, and the people that were around there, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they would all point to you. They wouldn't point to themselves. You can tell from who they are. They would point to you, and this would be great publicity for you. This would be so good for your name and your brand, Jesus if you were to heal Lazarus. And sometimes I've looked at it like that. I've had friends who spent their whole life serving the Lord. All they want to do is lift up the name of Jesus and then move to a spot where they're suffering. They have a child who's hurting themselves or they have someone who's fallen into addiction. And you find yourself going, this would be the time. If there was ever a time God would act, you'd think he'd be here. Right here. And he would save these people because I know my friends, they would point and they would go, this is all to the Lord's glory. This is for him. It would really be good for you, God, just so you know. This would bring a lot of glory to your name. But Jesus doesn't come, and he doesn't come on purpose. He doesn't come before Lazarus dies. He shows up late, and Lazarus has passed away. And it's not just that Lazarus passed away. His sisters had to watch him pass away. They had fear. They had sorrow. They went through a really difficult time. And they had to watch that happen. And then Jesus shows up. And it's funny because when he does show up, he doesn't even come all the way into the village and all the way into the house. He kind of waits outside. And there's a reason for that. It's because there's some relationship that needs to be worked out at this time. And so what happens is as he waits outside, Martha comes first, and then eventually Mary comes. And they both say the same thing, these powerful words that I think are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. In John 11, 21, and then in John 11, 32, this is what they each say. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary says... When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. Both the same thing. 
And those words are so loaded. Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. It even starts off with the right relationship. Who are you? Your Lord. There's where you know that that faith is. And then if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And those words have so much in them. They have everything from accusation to sorrow to sadness to anger to tremendous faith. Tremendous faith. You could have. You could have. You have the power. You have the authority. And you could have. And you didn't. And the only people who can have that sort of statement and can have that sort of sorrow with our Heavenly Father are the people who have that kind of faith. You have to believe that He is who He says He is and that He can do what you wished He could do if you're able to say, and you didn't. It's a tough place to be. And what you realize is that the Lord doesn't always save us the way that we ask Him to. He doesn't always do this exactly the way that we want. And it's interesting because when they say this, this statement that, like I said, has disappointment in it and at the same time tremendous faith, Jesus answers in John eleven twenty five and 26. He said, I am the way, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And then but believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? There's this spot of going, we expected you to do something, you've disappointed us, and you haven't done it. And Jesus comes back and says, I am the way and the resurrection and the life. You still believe that? Do you still believe that? I know I've disappointed you. I know I didn't do this the way that you wanted me to. I know that you don't understand why I acted the way I did or didn't act the way that I did. Am I still Lord? You started with that, Lord, if you'd been here. Am I still Lord when I don't do things the way that you want them to be done? What do we do with our disappointment? What do we do when we have disappointment and when God has disappointed us? It's a hard question, and it's one that I think is important for us to talk about, and we're going to continue talking about it a little bit, because the reason is because Psalm 107 is not a formula for how you get God to do what you want him to do. You go through distress, you cry out, and he'll do whatever you want him to do. It's not that. That's not what this song is. There's more to it than this. And so what I want to do today is I want to uh, have a little testimony here to help us make sense of this and how it works. So uh, I'm going to have one of our elders, uh, Art Leonard, to come up here with us, and he's going to share part of his story, and we're going to work through some of this together. Art, would you come up here and uh, join me on stage on one of these fancy stools that we have here? Art, Art is one of our elders, and it's also Art's birthday today. It's your birthday today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget your mic there. Yeah. There you yes, go. Yes, it is. There you go. Am I on? Yeah. I, th I think you're on now. Is it, are we on? Give us a little test. Test. Test, test. We on? Good. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for coming up here and doing this. And I want you to know this is uh, something where we're, we're going to hear some uh, of Art's story. And if you're new with us uh, and you don't know him, uh, Art, if you would, tell us just a moment about um, yourself and tell us a little bit about your wife. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, well, I've been a, a member here at KCC uh, for an eternity. 
um, <laughs> probably longer than most that are here um, since the early 70s. And my wife and Donna and I were married here in this church, uh, the other church, the Bolero Church of Christ. Y'all know where that is? Um, um, her parents, Don and Sally Yankee, um, handed over their Stradivarius to this gorilla in 1979. We were married 41 years and 41 days. Praise God. Yeah, that was uh, uh, amazing. We have two fantastic sons, Dustin and Craig. They have fabulous families of their own. Yeah. Okay. Donna was healthy until she wasn't. I mean, she was amazingly healthy most of her life. In April of 2019, her gynecologist, Dr. Wampler, found that she had ovarian uterine cancer. I'm telling you this because some of you may not have been able to have the pleasure of meeting her. She went through surgery and treatment for 18 months before going to heaven. As many of you know, she smiled all the way to heaven's door. She never stopped smiling. How's that? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good intro. Uh, I, I did not have the pleasure of getting to meet Donna. Um, I came here afterwards. But it has been interesting for me to hear stories of her uh, from people around here and what an important person the, that she was to this church. So I, I, I do want to ask you, um, when this diagnosis came, and I... I I know that that's a kick in the gut, and it is, it is the storm that we're talking about that comes and knocks you down. It hits you right in uh, the gut, and it knocks you down to your, to your knees. Um, I, I want to know if you would share with us, what was your expectation? What did you think was going to happen? Well, um, as Scott said, I've, I am a shepherd in this church and have been since uh, 06, but that had very little to do with my expectations were for Donna's recovery from this stage four cancer. I thought God would show his power and be glorified because of her faith, not mine. Certainly not mine. She was an angel on earth. And when she spoke, people listened. Sometimes that doesn't happen with me. Um, so many unexpected prayers were lifted up on her behalf. People showed up at our house. Though. It was just a surprise when they knocked on the door and said, Can I pray over Donna? Can I lay hands on Donna? Can I anoint her with oil? We had Pastor Dell down the street, Raymond, our own Raymond, um, and several others came to the house and, better, and anointed her with oil, prayed over her, and I expected... The healing. You know what I'm talking about. The healing. Yes, I expected a miracle. So she kind of, as we were talking earlier about a formula, I mean, if it has to do with somebody that belonged to Jesus, check. Somebody that had people praying over her. Check. Yeah, hundreds, thousands, thousands. praying over her. Yeah. Yeah, check. Somebody that would give him the glory. Check. Check. Yeah. All of these things. This, this makes sense. All the boxes were checked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's a great expectation of what was going to happen there. Okay. Well, when did, um, then, then when did it become clear that he wasn't going to do mm -hmm. what you were asking? Um, well, I'll, I'll go into that one other statement first. Um, I really couldn't accept 
that she wasn't going to be healed until just a few weeks before her passing. I just really was waiting for the day when she was going to wake up and say, feel better, okay, look better. I realized he, God, wasn't going to heal her, and the anger ramped up right along with longer and louder prayers. Yes, I was angry, but yes, he was still God. But the wording of my prayers changed from heal her to take her from this pain. I was disappointed. She didn't deserve to die. I did. She didn't deserve to suffer. And I wanted so badly to trade places with her. Mm. She was as close to perfect as anyone could be on earth, short of Jesus. And I always make the following statement, but she did deserve heaven. Yeah, she deserved heaven. I was angry with God for leaving me alone without her. She was healed in heaven, but I was suffering from that separation, and my faith was in the process of being rewritten. Stephen said something about that last week, and that really rang a bell. My faith was in the process of being rewritten. Mm. Yeah. I know that's, that's a difficult spot. I want to thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard uh, sometimes when we get into church life um, to be able to go, I was angry. Um, and it's okay when you're angry. Uh, God can handle that. Uh, I, I told you when we were talking one time, I spent a lot of time with Paul Faulkner, uh, who is uh, just a guy that's mentored so many ministers and that sort of thing. And when his wife, Gladys, died, one of the things that he said is, I'm angry at God right now. Uh, but I don't plan on staying here for a long time. Um, but it, I think there's power in that, and, and in particular uh, for an elder of the church to be able to come up and go, yeah, you need to know this is what we went through. And I was having a hard time, and uh, I was angry in this. Um, well, tell me, uh, how has this situation been redeemed in your mind, if you feel like it has? Has the situation been redeemed? Um, well, um, verse 30 talks about the desired haven. Mm. And there it's calm in that desired haven. Um, redemption can only be found in Jesus and staying with him. So has this situation been redeemed? I'm working on it. Still working on it. Jesus is helping me work on it, and that redemption can only be found in him. Okay. Well, you went through some of this, so there was the, the cry out to God. You asked him to do something. He didn't do it the way that you wanted. Uh, there was anger, and there was frustration and disappointment. Um, how's your relationship with God now? My relationship is strong, perhaps even stronger Yes, I was angry. There are days I'm still angry. My relationship with, relationship with him is perhaps stronger than before. I know he will eventually explain, but I can't possibly understand it now. Mm. I lean on him for strength and guidance every day. And although I fail miserably most of the time, I try to be the example to others that she was. Hmm. 
Um, when I first moved here uh, and came to church one of the first times uh, and, and worshiped with all of you, uh, you were up front, and I noticed, first off, uh, I, I looked and I went, uh, that guy's a worshiper. Um, you, you put a lot of who you are into it. You can tell. Um, and, and I got to know you fairly quick and heard stories of Donna. And so one of the things that, that really um, made me call you to say, hey, you need to share your testimony with this, is because I want to know how a guy who's been brokenhearted like that worships the way that you do. So how do you when, uh, when your heart's broken, uh, when you feel like you got a handful of ashes here, um, when you have disappointment with God, how do you worship? How do you do that? You just keep taking the next breath. You just keep realizing that he's God and you're not. You keep knowing that he's the only one worthy of worship mm. and worship. Mm. Yeah. What would you tell other people who are maybe going through the same thing right now? Because I know there's a lot of us out here that are going, I'm, I'm crying out to God right now. There's something going on. It's painful. It hurts. Uh, it's devastating. And I'm crying. And he's not doing what I'm asking him to do. What, what do you tell him? I tell them that I know who you are. I'm, I understand your, <laughs> your brokenness. And it's, it's uh, wake up and and be broken again every day, just about. And just leaning on him and believing that that strength is there, believing that there is some strength for each one of you that has gone through this horror of watching a loved one die, either in short term or long term. I know there's both, and, and both are tough because you love them. Been around them a long time, and it's the last thing you ever want to go through. But just know that our Savior will explain. He will explain one day. That's what I'm counting on. Is that okay? Now, is it she? She had to pass because she was an angel on earth, or because she touched so many lives during that 18 months she was sick and. I saw so many people come to Jesus and understand about Jesus' love because of her sickness. And so just know that the loss is there, the love of Jesus is there, and his saving grace still abounds. Thank you for that. Uh, if I can, just for a moment, I want to talk to you, the brokenhearted. Uh, for those of you that are brokenhearted. Um, who have come to a place where you said, you know, I, I cried out, and God didn't do what I asked him to do. He didn't remove uh, the pain that I was going through. He didn't save my marriage in the way that I wanted him to. He didn't take away this disease. He didn't heal my child. He didn't, he didn't do, he didn't do what, what I wanted him to do. And uh, I want to talk to you for a minute about that. Uh, because I think it's important for us to realize, again, at the beginning of Psalm 107, one of the things that happens is he says... Let them rejoice and tell their story, those whom he delivered from the foe. And I think sometimes what we have to do is we have to stop and go, what is the foe? What's the enemy? Because here's one of the things that goes through as you go through verse by verse by verse in Psalm 107. It starts off and he's talking those that wander in desert wastelands. And you know what God doesn't do? He didn't rid the world of desert wastelands. He didn't get rid of them. 
And then there are those who are in chains and in prison by their own sin. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't remove all chains and all prisons from this world. He hasn't done that. And then there are those that say, through my own iniquity, I've become sick and I felt like I was going towards death. And you need to know, he hasn't removed all of that. The Lord didn't say, then I will do away with all sickness and death and prisons. And when we go through storms, the Lord doesn't say, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rid the world of storms. There will never be another storm. He doesn't do that. And you need to know that's because that's not the foe. The enemy is not the storm. And salvation is not the lack of a storm. You need to know that. What the Lord has promised us is not a lack of storms and not a lack of difficulty and not a lack of suffering. We follow a guy who went through suffering, who went through storms, who went through all of that with the people that he loved. What we have that's an enemy is the lie that you deserve and you are what is happening to you. That you go through it alone. That you don't have a God who cares and who goes through storms with you. The lie and the foe is that you don't have a haven that is beyond this storm. That this storm can take anything from you that is eternal because it can't. Storms can't take from you things that are eternal. Is it painful? Oh, yes. We will spend some time in hardship, and we will spend some time in suffering. You know, one of the things that I've thought about with Mary and Martha and Lazarus is Jesus resurrected Lazarus, but you need to know he did not remove from Lazarus the idea of our earthly death. Lazarus died twice. He passed away again. His sisters, if they were still alive, had to watch that again. They had to hurt again. But one of the things that we know from this is when Jesus comes and says, but I am the resurrection and the life. And do you realize the storms you are in are not the end of you. They don't write the final story. And this is not who you are. Do you believe this? I can see Jesus in our disappointment and in our hurt and in our brokenness saying, but do you still believe that I am who I say I am? Can you bring me your ashes and your broken pieces of your heart and let me have those? One of the things that we have is we have a Savior who says, bring me the broken pieces. Bring to me the hurt of your heart. Bring to me the ashes that have come from some of the hard things in this world and watch me mend it back together and watch me make you spiritually whole. The promises that come through Psalm 107 is not to remove all the hard things. It's to go, I will be with you. I will lead you to a land that is home. I will break the chains that want to enslave you forever. I will break death that has a claim on you, and I will make sure that it doesn't have a claim on you. And I will lead you to the haven of your heart's desire. And the haven of your heart's desire is not a lack of storms. It is God. Amen. I lead you to the comfort and the peace and the eternity that comes in Christ. That's what we get. And that's why we get to worship. That's right. We are not a people who share a story. If you're new to us, and maybe you're new to this whole Jesus and God thing, you need to know something about us. We are not a group of people who share a story that when we cry out to God and ask Him to do something, He does it. That's not our story. Our story is that when we cry out to our God, He saves us from the things that are eternal. 
that he has actually led us to a haven of spiritual healing. And that death is not the end of us. Suffering is not the end of us. He has written a different ending for our story. That's what we share. And that's what we have in common with each other. And so we worship. And we don't worship because he's done what we asked him to do. We worship because he is who he says he is. And we get to sing those songs. So what we do is we take our hurt, and I encourage you, and you take your brokenness, and you take your ashes. And what you do is you bring those to Christ, and you worship in that. We lean into the Father who knows about suffering and knows about loss and knows about hurt. The only one that can mend us together. And that's where we take our worship. I'm going to ask, uh, if we would, if I could have the elders come up here and uh, surround you, Art, and uh, say a prayer over you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it is a powerful thing uh, for us to be able to, to say um, in times of brokenheartedness that even if God didn't do exactly what we asked him to do, that what he did do was what we desperately needed, and that's to walk through storms with us. Mm-hmm. Kind and loving Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this good man and his willingness to share his story. And we're thankful, Father, that you gave him Donna so many years ago, a believing, solid Christ follower that made him so much better man. We're thankful for her example. We're thankful for the love that she showed to him. And we're thankful, Father, that he loved her and that they built a life together and they built a family together. Many of us, Father, were were disappointed in our prayers. Many, many prayed for a miracle for this family. And we're thankful, Father, that Art has come forth this morning to show us how our response should be in our disappointment. We realize, Father, that he has hurt deeply over the last couple of years and that he continues to hurt and that he will continue to hurt. But we pray, Father, that you would ease that burden of pain as he goes place, goes forth from this place this morning, that time would give him a deeper understanding and a deeper perspective and a deeper love for you. We're thankful for his example to show us that even in our disappointments and our hurting, that you are there. And we thank you so much, Father, for being along on this journey with him, keeping your hand firmly on his shoulder each step of the way. And we thank you, Father, for the things he's already done, the counseling, the help that he has already shown to others, namely Jimmy and Gail. 
what he meant to them in their hour of need. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to give him the faith and the strength to minister in your name to others of us who are hurting. We thank you, Father, for your saving grace. We thank you, Father, that you understand pain because you gave your son for us and loss. And we thank you, Father, for his willingness to go to the cross, to die, that he might be raised from the dead, overcoming death forever. And we praise you, God, that he is coming again to receive us. And that once again, sweet Donna and Art will be reunited through all eternity. Thank you, God, for loving us. We pray all of this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Hang on right here for a minute, if you would. Um, Art, you wrote your own verse to 107. Yeah. Why don't you read that for us? This is called the Donna Leonard Psalm. <laughs> we went into this battle with cancer knowing that God was ultimately in control. Many people, hundreds, perhaps thousands, lifted prayers on her behalf, and she felt the presence of Jesus. Days came when we couldn't understand why the healing didn't come. Anger, disappointment, fear showed up in our distress, but we still knew that God was ultimately in control. Even through the pain, she smiled, praising him for his unfailing love. She followed angels into heaven to be with Jesus, knowing that he is ultimately in control. Amen. And now what do we do, Art? Well, perhaps Donna can tell us what we need to do and what we need to keep doing. Let's worship. <laughs> Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship.